0: This is the second half of uh, episode eight in season eight, uh, where I talk about the few hard truths about employee engagement surveys. In the first half of this episode, I talked about uh, the importance of employee engagement, engagement in general, not the surveys. Uh, Then I talked about uh, whether the surveys, I started talking about whether the engagement surveys are reliable. And I broke it down into the issue of anonymity. Uh, Do we care about anonymity? And um, I talked about, um, let's see what else. I talked about uh, whether you're asking the right questions. In this episode, I'll continue talking about the value or can you rely on the results of the, the employee engagement survey. I'll talk about the trust effect and eventually I'll talk about what you should do. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Joram Solomon, your host, the author of the Book of Trust and facilitator of the Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? I want to start by talking about the danger of the average. So your statistical results and and what the average is. And first I want to distinguish between two terms. Uh, We talk about significant results. We're talking about statistically significant results. Those are actually two different things, completely different things. Significant results, we're talking about the, the amount. So, you know, when I told you about the um, uh, the, the, the Gallup survey, for example, uh, that said that, um, what was it, 75% of, uh, no, that was AERA, the AERA survey that said 75% are more inclined to complete the survey if they're assured of anonymity. That's a very significant result. 75% is a lot compared to if I said, oh, the anonymity can have a 1.3% impact on responses. You're like 1.3%, that's nothing. So the result itself can be significant, which means there's a big difference between uh, whatever your independent variable is and how it affects the outcome. There is a significant impact. Statistically significant means that that result is consistent in a large group. So, for example, there's the the uh, a, a, a normal we call it uh, statistical significance uh, is is called 0.05. So it's a p value of less than 0.05, and it's also referred to as greater than 95%. So uh, the next person I'm going to ask. If my result is statistically significant, then the next person I'm gonna ask, I'm 95% certain that I'm gonna get a consistent result with the result I got before, okay? So statistical significance is how consistent the answer is. So you told me it's 75%, but how consistent is it? And of course, there's, there's uh, something that's called uh, margin of error, uh, and margin of error depends on the um, uh, the the uh, size of the sample. So, how many people do you sample? Gallup again did an article about uh, what how would you or what would you refer to or should you refer to as junk employee engagement metrics and obviously it's anything done by our competitors is a junk employee engagement metric No, they didn't say that but uh, how would you look at it by the wording that's being used by the sample size, by how you calculate the score? So, for example, I did a study, a, a survey really uh, a few years ago to ask uh, about the level of trust in a company based on 16 questions. And I had to score based on the answer. And the question was not what was the level of trust in your company? The questions were were different, but they were indications of the level of trust in the company. And based on that, I had to score what is What constitutes high level of trust? What constitutes very high, low, very low? So what is the scoring system? And by the way, one thing that I would strongly recommend is that when you do a survey, any type of survey, that you actually include that in in a document that explains how, how did you come up with those answers. The next thing to consider is You got the average, but we're not average. We may be better or worse than than the average, but the problem is that when you start averaging things, you are going to miss some unique situations. And and one example I wanna give you is when I served on on a school board of a prominent uh, independent school district system, I remember that they gave us a correlation, they, they showed a chart with a correlation between school performance and the percentages of socially uh, disadvantaged uh, students or students that come from uh, social economic uh, low social economic status. English language learners, so don't speak English yet. And high mobility, so they come in and out through the uh, school year because they move around. They showed, they showed a statistically significant correlation between school performance and all three parameters. So as the three parameters go up, economic disadvantaged, English language learners, higher mobility, school performance went down. But when I looked at the chart that showed all the uh, data points, I saw situations that were unique where students at the same economic or or same social status, uh, or the same percentage of students from certain uh, economic statuses or or language learners or mobility. Two different schools, same statistics, different performance. And two different schools, same performance, very different demographics. And the thing is, when you're going after the average, you're gonna miss those unique cases. And you may be missing something that's critical for your understanding of employee engagement. And, and keep in mind that, you know, the, the other thing is you're doing a sample versus doing a census. Census is when you actually ask every single person. Sample is when you decide, you know, I'm going to take a sample and based on, you know, if we have a company with 1,000 employees and the sample size is going to be 300 of those 1,000, then, you know, maybe we have a reasonable low margin of error. But you have to wonder, did none of the other 700, could none of the other 700 employees give us something, an insight that was really important? So that's something to keep in mind. You're not asking everybody. You're not getting it from everybody. Uh, I want to talk about sampling errors. Some people will tend to respond and others don't. So I'll start with the story. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, in November 2, November second, 1948, presidential election between Dewey, the Republican, and Truman, the Democrat. Newspapers came out that morning... November 2nd, before the elections, this is based on a poll. You know how they do polls before uh, the election. The newspapers came out with the headline, front page, above the fold headline, huge headline that says, Dewey defeats Truman. Now, if you don't remember who Dewey is, that's because Dewey never was a president. But the newspaper said Dewey defeats uh, Truman. And it's a very insightful to read how did they reach that. But really, for the most part, it was a sampling error. And one part of that sampling error was this. The survey was done over the phone. The surveyors called people and asked them. Here's an interesting insight. Back in 1948... There was a higher probability that a Republican will have a phone than that a Democrat will have a phone. What does that mean? It means that when you're holding your, your uh, survey over the phone, your poll over the phone, there is a higher probability you're going to catch a, Demo- a Republican than a Democrat because more Republicans had phones than Democrats back in 1948. You got an error simply by your method of who you reached. Now I want you to keep in mind that some people do tend to respond to polls and some don't. Could one of the reasons why some people are not going to respond because they are more actively disengaged or less actively engaged with the company? Those are going to be the people you're gonna miss. In your survey, in your employee engagement survey, you're doing an employee engagement survey, you send it to everybody in the company, there is a higher probability that the people who are engaged are going to respond and that the people who you really want to understand, those who are disengaged are going to respond. You're introducing the error, you're getting bad results because of how you're sampling it. The other thing is, uh, you know, I talked about uh, what happened in the schools, but different departments. You can mask an issue that you have in one department because you're averaging everything. You know, one department, let's say that the uh, engagement scale is one to five, one lowest engagement, five is the highest engagement. One department in the company reads out five. Or, or the average is close to five, another department in the company, the average is close to one, but the overall average in the company is three. So you're looking at it and you go, well, we're pretty much average. And you miss the fact that you have a problem in one department because you're averaging it. That's one of the dangers of averaging. But wait, there's more. What is the effect of trust on all of this? You know, the level of trust that your employees have in the company will dictate the feedback that they're going to give. You already know that that people, you know, seventy-five percent, based on a study, seventy-five percent uh, don't feel comfortable responding or would would not respond potentially to a survey um, if they don't believe that that it's anonymous. But You know, how do you get more people who don't care that it's anonymous or not anonymous to give you the real feedback that you need? Well, this goes back to one of my surveys. And what I found was that when the level of trust that your employees have in you and in the company and in the process, when the level of trust is higher, the feedback that they're going to give is a hundred. They're, they're 106% more likely to give you the feedback that you need to hear and not the feedback that they think you want to hear. 106%. Their vulnerability or their willingness to be vulnerable by, you know, maybe giving an answer that they knew that if this comes back to them, it, it's going to haunt them. Uh, They're 240% more willing to be vulnerable if they trust you. So here's here's something funny. The less they trust you, the less likely they are to give you the feedback that you need to hear. And more likely they are to give you the feedback that you want to hear. So the feedback appears better. I'm going to say this again. The less they trust you, the better the feedback is going to look. How's that for irony? So you're doing an employee engagement survey and because they're not engaged, because they're not trusting you, the survey is going to show better results. I'm gonna add one more thing and and that would lead to the next segment and that's that the reaction that you're going to give to that survey results, the employee engagement survey results, will affect the trust that they have in you. So you've done the employee engagement survey, you've got the results, now what? And I have to tell you that the reason that I recorded this episode, well, it's twofold. One is I read an article about, uh, you know, what happens after you, you did an employee engagement survey. Uh, but the other is because I often get called to do a workshop or, or even just a keynote because the company has just done an employee engagement survey and the thing that came out kind of either specifically states or indicates a low level of trust and they want me to come in and, and help fix it, uh, which, you know, I don't fix it. I, I, I put you in the direction. I give you the tools on how you fix it. I can not fix it for you just like I can't lose weight for you can barely lose weight for myself. So the first thing is you need to know that when you launched the employee engagement survey, you took the pin out of a grenade. And a grenade has a certain number of seconds before it blows up in your hand. You set off a time bomb because now employees are waiting to see what you're going to do. Okay, you asked me to take a survey. Even if I didn't take it, I wanna see what you're gonna do about it. So the first thing I'm gonna tell you is when you do that, make sure that you set the expectations of a timeline. When are we going to close the survey? When are we going to get the results ourselves? When are we going to present them to you? What are we going to do about it and when? Because I'll tell you what, the survey might be open for two months, I'm going to fill the survey on day one. Why? Because I need things off my plate. I don't want that thing hanging over my head. So I'm going to do it as soon as possible. I don't even know that the survey is still open and I'm not going to check. I don't care that much, right? I'm disengaged. That's the thing that you're trying to gauge, to engage, to find out. So um, I'm waiting and nothing is happening simply because you never shared the timeline. So share the timeline. Um, the results might be skewed and that's, I I talked about that, uh, in the first half of the episode in the first part of this second half, uh, the results might be skewed for a whole bunch of reasons, whether it's because uh, employees did not believe in anonymity because the level of trust they had was low. So they didn't tell you what you need to hear, but what you want to hear. So the results might be skewed. And when you share those results, the employees goes really That's your conclusion from us telling you. And, you know, I might be the one employee who really tells you the real feedback, gives you the real feedback. And then you're coming back and saying, well, it looks like uh, the employee engagement is high, and whatever, you know, whatever you have in that survey is, we're in good shape, we're in great shape, and so on. I'll talk about that in a second. And we go, seriously? I mean, it's, it's your interpretation of the results. I remember in one of the companies um, that I helped, uh, the uh, head of HR stood in front of the employees after we did a survey. And it wasn't actually exactly employee engagement survey, it was something else, but uh, she stood up there and she said, we did great. We got the results, we did great. And that was terrible. And and after the fact, uh, I I went and I talked to her and I said, first of all, no, we didn't. We didn't do great. In many areas, we were industry average. In some areas where we were way below. What's with the, we did great. You know what her answer to me was? Her answer was, well, I expected us to do so poorly that the fact that we're average to me was great. Well." Is this how you should present it? But the other thing, and, and that's something that's important that you need to understand that this is not a grade. You can't say we did great or we did bad uh poorly. And you have to really state what the, the results are. So and, and again, because if you misrepresent what the the results are, then they're not gonna trust you, you know. The, you're, you're gonna disappoint your employees. You're probably better off not doing that survey to start with. Um, here's another question. Did you do the survey just to show that you care about the engagement? You know, if you don't do something about the results, after a certain amount of time, the employees assume that you did the engagements just to show. You're not going to really take in, take any action. And I can tell you from my relative trust model that doing things for show hurts your trustworthiness. It's part of the positivity of interaction. It's actually part of the BS part of positivity of interaction. When you do things for show, rather than because you're genu- genuinely interested in the results and to do something about it, employees are not going to trust you. So frankly, if you're not going to do anything about it, it would hurt more than not doing the survey at all. So once you launch that survey, you took the pin out of the grenade. And you need to have a plan and you need to follow up with that plan or you're going to lose more than you gain. And I'm getting to the end of this episode or two-part episode uh, with what should you do? So the first question you have to ask yourself, look in the mirror and ask, why am I doing an employee engagement survey to start with? Are you doing it because you wanna show that you care? Well, by itself, if you do it and you don't do anything about the results, then you're doing more harm than good. Do you really not know if you have an employee engagement problem or not? I mean, seriously, what if you do a survey and the survey says that you don't have an employee engagement survey, but deep in your gut, you know that you do? Are you gonna are you gonna let the survey tell you uh, that everything is fine even though you feel it does it's not and then how about the opposite? what do you if you feel that that employee engagement is good but the survey shows that it's not then are you going to uh, tell everyone we have a major employee engagement problem we're gonna try and fix it Listen. Employee engagement, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to hurt any company that does employee engagement surveys and, and all. You have to keep your ear to the ground. The survey, itself, you can't just do a survey and, and guess that now you know what the engagement level is. You have to always know what the status is. Keep your ear to the ground. Always get a sense. When something comes up, deal with it. As it comes up, don't wait for a survey to tell you something. Because the worst thing is that, especially when the level of trust is low and employees are going to tell you, what, you wa- what they think you want to hear rather than what you need to hear, survey is going to tell you everything's fine. Keep your ear to the ground. Make sure that you know enough all the time, that you sense all the time what is the employee engagement levels in your company. Not just one time with a survey. Don't do a survey unless you have a plan to follow on. Don't do the survey if you don't share what the timeline is, but you then have to do something. Because remember my my analogy you pull the pin out of the grenade and it's going to blow up unless you do something. So have a plan. If we're going to find something in the study, then. We're going to deal with it and we're not going to wait. You're doing more harm than good by not doing anything. When it's time to deal with it, engage the company, engage the employees in finding the solution. You know, one of the books that I wrote, I think it was my seventh book, Culture Starts With You, Not Your Boss. uh, The title keeps coming back because really it's, it's, it's real. Culture, employees, Think or management thinks that that management is is who drives culture. No, culture starts with every single employee, not just the boss. When you want to find the solutions, engage the employees. Here's the problem that we have. Here's what how we're gonna deal with it. But, I mean. Uh, The the starting point of how we're going to deal with it is that we're going to ask you to participate in finding a solution, in making recommendations. Guess what? They're going to probably come up with better recommendations than you can. The last thing is that trust is the foundation. And you know that from me. You know that I know that. You know that I very, very strongly believe in. In that, and and you know that in 2017, that was the reason why I dropped all my work on innovation culture, innovation, and innovation culture, and and focused 100 of my time and effort and energy and passion on trust, because trust is the foundation, including engagement. In 2017, uh, Paul Zach uh, wrote an article. He's he's a uh, uh, university. Uh, Claremont Graduate University professor, and he did an article in Harvard Business Review, uh, and, and it really comes out of his book, The Trust Factor, where one of his findings, and I believe it's it's, it's it was way over eight hundred people that he surveyed. What he found was that uh, people at high trust companies, again, he did top quartile versus low quartile, seventy six percent more engagement. You want to improve engagement, improve trust. 76% impact on engagement. By the way, the other things that he found out, you know, job satisfaction, turnover, and uh, those are things that, that are all related. You know, just like Gallup did their study and they found the correlation between engagement and all those things. It's really between trust and all those things. So... I don't wanna say don't worry about employee engagement, but worry about trust that will take care of engagement and other things. It's like, this is the root cause for lack of engagement, low trust. You know, uh, there's a, I'll finish with a quote from the movie, Glen Gary, uh, Glen Rose. Ross, uh, where Alec Baldwin comes in. It's in 1992. Uh, he comes in with this acronym. This is a sales organization. I mean, you you heard that? ABC. Here's the ABC. Always be closing. Great advice to salespeople. Always be closing. Always be getting new business. So I'm going to tell you. Always be building trust. ABBT. Always be building trust. You should always work on building trust. Don't wait. Once a year, once in in three years, we're going to do an employee engagement survey. And as a result, we're going to find out certain things and we're going to start working on building trust. You know why? Because it's easier to build trust than to rebuild trust after you lost it. Always be building trust. If you keep your ear to the ground all the time, you will get the feedback in real time. And and you know why you're going to get that? Because when you have a high level of trust, people are 106, 240% more likely to be vulnerable, to be willing to share what they really feel, even knowing that the, it puts them in a vulnerable position. And percent, 106% more likely to give, or more willing to give you the feedback you need to hear rather than the feedback they think you wanna hear. But you need to build trust for that. And when you do that, let me ask you a question. Why do you need an employee engagement survey? What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at trustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast, because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, TrustHabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you and can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.